Hi there, my name is uh, Neville and I'm uh, one of the leaders in the church in Berlin that we're closely associated with, working together as a family of churches. And uh, I, think I, was, I think I was with you maybe a couple of years ago uh, and loved preaching, loved being with you as a people. And uh, I'm going to continue today in the series that you're in, in, in 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to read the passage. It's a very personal passage, actually, about Paul and what he feels about the church that he started and he can't get back to at the moment. And so I want to talk about leaders, the example of Paul and how I see leaders serving the church. So it's quite an important passage. And I'm going to read from uh, 2, sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 until through into chapter 3, verse 13. It says this, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Chapter 3. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in the faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it had come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and your labour would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Several years ago, uh, Time magazine ran a, uh, an article about the 25 most influential people in the USA. And they made a distinction that I thought was very helpful between people that were powerful and people that were influential. Power changes people from the outside. Uh, often uh, it can be money, it can be government, it can be a coercive, coercive force that brings behavioural change. Whereas influence changes people the other way around. It changes people from the inside out. Uh, so it targets the inside. It changes hearts. It changes motivations. Uh, people change because they want to, not because they're forced to. And the Apostle Paul, surely by any measure, must be one of the most influential people in the history of the world. 
I thought about this, he must be. But he had no power, no, uh, no earthly power, no money, no government, no military, changed a lot of people. Now, he had the Holy Spirit working through him, but, but you see, he went into every major Mediterranean town and city with the gospel, and this message he brought wasn't even popular. He's got no power, no government, no money with him. Uh, his, message isn't, his message isn't popular. It says it's an offence to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Greeks. This, this, this message of this man who, who was God, this carpenter who walked the earth and then went to die on a cross. It's not, it's not popular for the Jews. It was offensive that any man could be God. God could become a man. That's offensive. For the, for the, for the Greeks, the, the idea that you had to believe in a historical event at the cross uh, to save you was just foolish. No, no, it would, it would be an ethic or, or, or some moral or philosophy that would, would work in the end, not, not a historical event. It wasn't a popular message, but Paul said, no, no, you all, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and the only hope is to believe in, 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 in the birth, life, death and resurrection of this man who was God called Jesus Christ. And no one liked it <laughs> unless the Holy Spirit opened their eyes and showed them the truth. This is Paul, but he was influential, very influential. Now, clearly he had the Holy Spirit working through him, but what else was going on? What, what else made him such a powerful channel for inward change? And I think there's some clues in these passages, and I just want to pull three out. The, the context here, as you probably know, because you're going through this, is that Paul went to, th he planted a church in Thessalonica and then was basically chased out of town, probably couldn't finish what he really wanted to do and he's desperate to get back. He's pouring his heart out, he's desperate. And uh, this is this letter he's now writing to them. And uh, let me just say three things, I think, how Paul models biblical leadership and how leaders can serve the church. Number one is he, he, he really loved people and I think people knew it. It's very, very important. He, he invested so personally in people that his joy is bound up with theirs. If they were miserable, he couldn't be completely happy. So you can spend a lot of time with someone and still keep like a, a covering on your heart between yours and theirs. Uh, you can see them in trouble, but it doesn't really cost you. It's kind of disappointing, but is it really costing you? It wasn't like that with Paul, I don't think. You see, Paul's future is really bound up with theirs. Paul, I think, is showing us he's made a huge personal investment in these people, just in this one church. We look at verse 17, chapter 2, verse 17. He says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, the word here, torn away, it's like orphaned, okay? It's very powerful language. It's like grieving when a loved one has died. It's like, it's like we, since we were orphaned, it's so, it's so, it's so bad. It's like, it's like you've died. It's like, I can't, it's terrible. I've been torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, but not in heart. That's, that's obvious. His heart is still with them. We endeavoured more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. And the word, the desire word here, the Greek word is, is it, I looked it up, it's the word for lust. It's the only place in the New Testament that it's used in a positive way and not a negative way. He, he's saying, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate to see you. I'm desperate to see you again face to face. And we can miss the emotive sense. This is, this is emotive. This isn't just some business thing for Paul. This, he's invested in these people. He says, verse 19 and 20, uh, for what is our joy? 
before our Lord Jesus. He's coming. It's you. You are our glory and joy. My joy is completely bound up in you, he's saying. I'm proud of you. See, he loves these people and he's telling them that he loves them. And then we go into chapter 3. He, he, didn't, really know what was, uh, he didn't really know what was happening to them because he couldn't get back. He was desperate, so he couldn't. So in the end, he, he sends Timothy in verse 2. He sends that he's sending Timothy, who's in team with him. And in verse 6, he gets a good report back. So chapter 3, verse 6, he gets a good report back from Timothy that they're standing firm in God. And then verse 8, we get Paul's response. He says, he says for now we live if you are standing firm. And you think you can just read that. And you think, oh, that's nice. But just, just want you to just, just dwell on this verse for a moment. For, for now I live because I know you're standing firm. What's Paul saying? Well, the opposite of what he's saying is when I thought maybe you were in trouble or you were doubting or you were hurting or your faith and love were failing, maybe when I thought, I thought that, it was like I was dying inside. That's really what he's saying. I, it was terrible. It was terrible. But now, now I know that you're standing firm. It's like I live again. I'm revived. It's very emotive language. It's, it's easy to miss how dramatic it is. This is what Christian leadership should look like. It's not just that the, that the word is preached or the Bible's opened up, but it's people feel love. This must be what it's about. This is what I see in the New Testament. This is what I see in Paul's leadership. It comes through a lot. We must be churches that really love each other where people love each other. It's not just about an organisation or formality or rules. It's about love that gets expressed through Jesus Christ and gets worked out. Build churches. Let's build churches where people really love each other. See, leadership isn't just about instruction. It's not just about telling people. I see through a lot of the Paul's letters in the New Testament that this runs very deep. There's some extraordinary passages in his letters I'm reminded in Acts 20 of the, uh, when he sees the Ephesian elders, he's planted this church in Ephesus, he gets chased out of Ephesus, comes back on his way to Jerusalem, meets with the Ephesian elders on a beach, and at the end, it, you can see that they're almost having to tear themselves apart. There's like weeping going on. Don't leave us, Paul. It's like he can hardly leave himself. It's just so hard because he loves these people so much. It's... We, we, it's not just for 2,000 years ago. We've got the same gospel, the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit, the same God of love. It's the same now. We, we, we've got to work on these things. We've got to be serious about them. Leadership is about love. It's about loving people. It's very important. We can have this, like I said, this Teflon coat on our hearts. I think maybe because we live in such a mobile world. Well, we're in a strange world at the moment, aren't we? Where we can't even, we're struggling to even meet and see each other properly. I think in the cities that we live, we get so many people come in and out, and it's such a short time, we can sometimes think, is it worth investing in this relationship because this person might be gone? We've got to take this seriously. We, please, let's not just get into that. We, we must invest in each other. We must personally uh, work out relationship together. We must show love to one another. So Paul really loved people. That's the first mark of his leadership I see in these verses. He really loved people and they knew that he loved them. Okay, second thing I see here is, is I've called it challenge, but not judgment. See, even though Paul really loved these people, he wasn't emotionally dependent on them. His self-esteem wasn't dependent on their approval. He didn't need to be liked by them. It's very important. 
he was able to love and bring challenge. So if you challenge without love, it can easily become judgmental. And if you love without ever challenging, it often isn't enough to really change anyone. See, uh, verse 10, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, we read earlier, it says, As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. You can read that and you think, what's he saying? I'm I'm praying earnestly that I might see you and uh, and tell you how much I love you and and say how well you're doing and and, and say what amazing church you are. No, uh, actually to supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul, you can't, you love these people. Yes, yes, I I love them, but I want to supply what's lacking in their faith. That's brave. <laughs> it's not, maybe it's not what I would have written. It's like, I, I, I want to come and see you because I love you so much and, and I want to help you and let's all be friends and let's be nice and lovely. And oh, I'm, I'm coming because I, I really want to supply what's lacking in your faith. Now, it could be a sense here that actually this is to do with him leaving too soon. He got chased out and he couldn't lay down the teaching that he wanted to. But he's still really saying to them, I, I, I'm desperate to get back because there's some things that you just do not understand. You're a bit immature in what you understand and I need, I, I need to teach you some things. You see, Paul is challenging here. He's loving, but he's also really, really challenging. We, we see it again at the end of, the, he writes another letter to the, th- the church in Thessalonica, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10 and 12. Uh, He says this, uh, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. (laughs) What? You can't say that, Paul. Uh, For for we hear that some among you walk in idleness. Wow. Uh, You're not busy at work, but you're busy bodies. (laughs) It's in the Bible. You can check it out. It's 2 Thessalonians 3, verse uh, 11. Uh, Some of you are walking in idleness. You're not busy at work, but you're busy bodies. Paul wasn't afraid to challenge people but I don't see him judging people. You see, love and challenge, I think, bring change. They bring inward change. And we talked about influence. You change from the inside. Love and challenge together are powerful. You see, if you were just after approval, you won't really challenge people because you can't bear people to be unhappy with you. You won't be able to take criticism or a challenge back. And so if you're after approval, it's very hard to bring challenge well to people. It becomes judgment. And if you're a Paul or it's you or it's me, I find if if you challenge without love, it just immediately becomes judgmental. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you might not be judged. Jesus had some pretty clear things to say about not judging. Okay, don't challenge without love. And today it's not popular. Okay, people don't like this about Christians. You, you, we're, not supposed to cha- we're not supposed to challenge. We're supposed to love people. We're supposed to just help people. We're supposed to say, I, uh, I, I want to love you. I, I want to I I help you be a better person, but not really challenge. You can't really say, this is right and this is wrong. If we're going to lead, if, we, if we're going to become better disciples and followers of Jesus, we've got to love and bring challenge. That's what leadership in the church, biblical leadership, is about. You've got to let people challenge you. I've had to let people challenge me in my own life. I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I hadn't let other people challenge me. I would have been poorer in my faith. I would have been less like the Lord Jesus if I hadn't have allowed people to challenge me. It's very important. 
You see, there are some signs. Let me just say this very quickly. There are some signs uh, of being judgmental, I think. How do I know, you might say? How do I know if I'm being judgmental? I, I'm not going to challenge now because I'm scared. I'm going to be judging people. You see, I, I think if you're judgmental, you don't really love people. This is the problem. Because if you loved people, you wouldn't be judgmental. See, at the end of 2 Thessalonians, again, in 2 Thessalonians uh, 3.15, uh, Paul, Paul says, if people are ignoring this letter, if someone wants to just ignore what I'm saying to you, um, do not regard him as an enemy. He's not an enemy of yours if you won't take any notice of me, but do warn him as a brother. Do warn him. He's not an enemy, but it's like you're, you're trying to wake him up. This is what this is about. He's, he's not an enemy. He's a brother. So the signs of being judgmental are people will feel like you're paying them back when you tell the truth and try to wake them up. It'll feel a bit like an attack. If you're really loving people, it won't feel like that. It shouldn't feel like that. Uh, another sign is maybe you enjoy doing this too much. I, oh, I enjoy challenging people. I enjoy telling them the truth. This is fun. Oh, it isn't, often isn't fun. If you're enjoying it too much, you might be just enjoying being judgmental. It's not easy to do this. It takes some courage. It takes some effort. It takes some careful consideration. You see, if you're being judgmental often, you'll tell people the truth to kind of push them away a bit, to separate. You don't really want them too close. You just want to tell them what's wrong. You see, uh, people who, who challenge with love don't want to do that. They're always trying to bring people closer. See, the motive is to wake people up, to redeem something in people, not to crush them or punish them. That's what I see in Paul. I never see that in Paul. Paul says some very strong things, challenges people, but it's always because he loves them and people know he loves them. He's never trying to punish or crush anyone. He's trying to build them up in their faith. Biblical leadership must involve this. It must involve, it must involve love with challenge, but not judgment. I hope that makes sense. Let me just give you one more, uh, one more thing that I see here that, about this, this leadership that Paul shows that I think is biblical that must be in the church today. Uh, I've called it the crown. What could be and not what is. You see, Paul had a goal for people. It's very important. Many of us, I think, just want, we're just busy and we either just want approval from people or it's like a, a bit of a business relationship or people are a project or they're just a way of getting things done. And uh, that can be our goal. It can creep in very slowly into our lives. It's like, this person does this, it'll help this project, it'll get a bit more done. And when it starts to feel like that, it's, it's, it's not healthy. Paul had a different vision for people. So you go back to the verse that we read, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, this is verse 19 and 20. He says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. And again, we can read this verse and it just bounces off us. I think this verse is extraordinary. If we just look at what Paul's saying. He, he's saying here, you, church, you Christians, are our glory and joy. It, it, you're going to be part of my crown of boasting when I see the Lord Jesus again one day. What? What? What's he saying? You see, the word glory here that's used is a doxo word. It, it, can, it can mean good report. It can mean good opinion. It can mean value. It can mean worth. He's saying, you Christians, this church, what you're doing... The way you're standing firm, 
one day you're going to be part of a crown that I'm wearing before Jesus, and I'm going to kind of present you to Jesus. It's like he's saying, for you are our good report. You are my good report and joy. That's biblical leadership. I, I, I've led the church in Berlin now for five or six years, and I, I hope, I, I think the people there know uh, that I love them. Uh, I think they do. I think if you ask them, they, I, I hope they would say that. I, I think they would. And uh, we, we, we must be, we, we, the community must reflect something of Christ. I, I think what Paul's trying to say is, if, 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 if there's no reflection of Christ in the community, he's saying this really takes away my authenticity of who I am. It's like, it's not just about me saying some words and doing some preaching and writing some letters. It's like the way these church communities live and how they work out their faith is, 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 is authenticates my ministry, what I do. We're bound up together in this. It's not separate, we're together. It's like the way you live out, this community lives out its life uh, is, is, is part of the, the boasting, it's part, of the, it's part of the good report of the leader before Jesus. It's, it's, it's really, it's emotionally close, it's linked. You see, Paul said 2 Thessalonians 3.8, we've said it before, if you don't stand firm, it's like I'm dead inside. Of course, now of course Christ is his glory. We know that, we know that Paul says, for, for me, he says, everything now is rubbish compared to knowing Christ. It's not what I'm saying, we know that. Paul, Paul is, we know that Christ is everything to Paul. But he's also saying somehow, so are the people that he's ministering to and leading. He's going to present them to Jesus one day. He's saying, two, he's saying 2 Thessalonians 2.19, I want to stand before the throne and you will be my crown. He, he says it in other epistles, uh, uh, Colossians 1, 28, 29. It says, him we proclaim, that's Jesus. Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So what's Paul doing? He's, everything he's doing, his ministry, his, the shipwrecks he went through, the beatings he went through, the pain, the hunger, uh, drowning in rivers nearly, just cold and hungry. Why is he doing all this? Because he wants to present everyone mature in Christ. This is what he's struggling for. This is what biblical leadership should be about. Present people mature in Jesus. People aren't a project to get something done. No, no, biblical leaders, what I see reflected in the life of Paul, trying to present people mature in Christ. It's very important. What about you? Do you want to be someone that changes other people's lives from the inside? You, you, you can do it. Do you want to, I just want to say, have a big vision for people around you. Don't look at just who they are. Look at who they could be in Christ. Look at what they could mature into. That's what you can do as well. You can say to someone, let's throw off some of the things that hold us back. I've got a vision for what you could be in God. Come on, let's run together. Let's help each other. We must be churches that do that. We must be communities that do that. See, Christian vision, vision, Christian vision is to see what could be and not what is. And as you do that, you get committed to other people's glory. Not, it's not about you, it's about other people. And I believe that's where we find real joy. Uh, Paul says it, 2, two Thessalonians 3.9, he's praying, he says, What thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? See, so he's most happy when he's praying for them. 
He's so excited about what God is making them. So you want to be changing people's lives? I just want to say to you, look at what he's done for you. Start there. Just get back into the gospel. It's a gift of God. It's amazing grace. God, I can't believe you've done this for me. You've changed my life. You've changed it from the inside out. It's a gift. You've given it to me. Thank you, God. I can't believe this amazing grace that's come on me. Just get really clear on that and then turn around and look at other people and enjoy the people that God's put around you in community. Take the covering off your heart. Love people. Pray for them. Be open-hearted. Let people into your lives. Look around for who can help you, who can watch over your soul. There's no other real way to change. Let's be communities that work this out together. Let's, let's, be, let's build churches where leaders come up that really love people and the people know they love them, that we're allowed to challenge people in a godly way but never judging people and that we get a vision of what people could be one day, how they could mature, how God could change them. Let's be churches like that together. Uh, Liberty Amsterdam, you can, you can do that. I know you can. I loved being with you. I hear great reports about you as a church. Let's work some of these things out and be the church, be the community uh, that Jesus died for us to be. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these verses. We, we thank you for this man, Paul, that was so influential. We thank you for a man who just loved people and they knew that he loved them. He really loved people. That he wasn't afraid to challenge, though. He wasn't afraid to bring confrontation, but he never did it with judgment. He just always loved people. God, help us to be men and women who love and challenge well. And God, help us to be men and women who have a big, view of what people can be and not just who they are right now. God, help us to change one another. Help us raise up leaders among us uh, who will reflect these things for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.